0: All right, welcome to the second hour of Barbarian in the Valley on WMUA Amherst. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, we have just passed our first hour, and you may have noticed that was a different kind of format, and we'll be doing that with some regularity. It's a work shift special, and we have I have all kinds of people lined up. I have a minister, I have a flight attendant, I have a valet parker, I have a limo driver, and we kind of look at those professions, and it's something that we'll talk about on this show at some point, too, which is automation and the sense of, you know, dwindling jobs and what our jobs mean to us. <clears throat> They're almost always past jobs. Now, Joe is actually currently a stylist in Lower Manhattan on Elizabeth Street, so we made an exception for him. But he was talking, of course, about his youth, and he's, a, he's got plenty of stories, as you know if you've been listening to this show. He's been on it a couple of times. Now, I took my way across the Basin of the Valley today, and I have to, <clears throat> I have to mention to Waylon... You know, because Waylon was saying, you know, I was talking about how good I am on the bike path, you know, and how, like, I just go by everybody and no one ever goes by me. And I have to say, since he's mentioned the fact that there's no one either above the age of 10 or below the age of 65 on that bike path, it's kind of a hollow, it's a ferric victory. But today I was in a real race. I was in a race with a guy with the spandex, okay? He had, um, he had spandex on, he had a really good bike, and I was fending him off for a long time. But I wasn't fending him off so much by, like, my bike or my ability. I was using other people on the path to create disturbances for him. So, you know, he was kind of, like, ready to pass me a number of times, but I timed it so that I would, like, weave in between, like, people with canes and strollers, and then the the people with the cane and the stroller would be next to each other and they would jam him up. So I actually did really, you know, I really well. But right after the underpass, you know that underpass on the bike path where you go underneath Route Nine. He he overtook me with with command. So I get it. I'm proud of what I did today. I'm proud of using people to create blockage and stuff. But I get that a real biker would pass me with no problem. I also want to just mention I had a, my anniversary. I had my ninth anniversary with my wife this week. And um, do you know what the material is for the ninth anniversary, Jeremy Whalen? You're not on your mic's not on but I can hear you what, what's the material for the ninth anniversary any guesses yeah well you know uh, okay so you're not married I'm going to actually put you on for just a second this will be a novel thing thank you God yeah thank here you are you. Uh, blessed be the kingdom <laughs> no it's uh, every anniversary has a material attached to it did you not know that no oh really wait what are you talking about like like 50th like- is diamond or whatever and like 5th oh. is tinfoil. foil and yeah but who says that? Who, wood, who's, who's that hallmark tells you that well, I don't know who decides it, but there's something applied. It's not always an expensive thing. Okay. So, obviously, I'm going to turn you off. You know, okay, there goes Waylon. We won't hear from him for a while. That was a real fail. Um, I might have some commitment issues. I don't know. <clears throat> but it's pottery. Pottery is the ninth anniversary, and I got my lovely wife a lovely giant mug because she loves her tea. And we actually did Valley Bike Share on our anniversary, and which is tremendous, Like, you don't even have to pedal those things hardly. I mean, they're like electric motorcycles almost. I mean, you do have to pedal, but we did make the mistake of coming home on them at 9 o'clock on the bike path. Now, there's no real lights on those bikes. And in fact, not only is there no lights, the LED thing shines in your face. So I was totally blinded. I mean, it was really quite frightening. And my wife just took off on me. She just went, she grabbed the poncho I had brought and just went home. Oh, well, my wife can beat me that way. And definitely, I mean, I'm night blind. So um, it was actually pretty treacherous. So you can, I guess, ride those bikes on the road at night. I had no trouble because I switched over once I was like, don't take them on the bike path. It's really a recipe for disaster. Now, um, Waylon, as you might have heard, is actually in the room. We're not going to pretend that we're waiting for him. We're, we are broadcasting from the crystal ship here at WMUA Amherst, that floating orb uh, that kind of moves around campus. We're looking down. We're actually, we're, we're actually, it gives me a sense of vertigo, actually, but we're looking over the field, some kind of lacrosse clinic going out there or something. Very active on campus today. Beautiful day. And um, we're, today we're going to talk a little bit about free speech in a minute. I do want to point out that Vanessa is somewhere on the campus. Um, Waylon, just with your fingers, can you tell me on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the diciest, 1 being totally safe, is the parking spot a 10, super dicey, should be towed, or is it a 1, now don't say anything because you're not on. It's an 8, folks. That's dicey. And it's dicey, it's dicey also because there's people on campus right now. And I have to say, every time I come on campus, the cops have pulled someone over. Like, all the time. And I'm not... uh, Inspection stickers. Oh, that's interesting. So anyway, Vanessa is out there. If you're, you know, if you're the person who writes tickets on campus, if you're security, it's very hard to miss a bright orange van. Um, And so, you know, do what you have to do. It's an eight. That sounds illegal. (laughs) That sounds pretty illegal. So please locate the orange van. If you're just a citizen of UMass and you see that van, maybe you could point it out to someone on security. Okay, because we really need to get that thing ticketed. Yeah, we'll be back in a minute. Um, enjoy. Didato. Also, Sprox, Zarathustra. And we'll be talking about free speech today. We're just going to do the text-in line right now because we want to consolidate. So at any point in the show, if you hear something they are interested in or you want to comment on, then we really invite you to text in. And the phone the phone text in is 413-200-8186. Go ahead and write this down. Because right now you're thinking, well, what would I respond to? This pitter patter about an orange van No, but later you're going to want this number And I will repeat it But later But it's good to have it written down 413-200-8186 413-200-8186 And we'll be back in just a minute We're coming back, and uh, it's interesting. This episode, we're gonna be talking about free speech, which is certainly like has been a really important issue, and elicits a lot of really strong responses. And so, I'm my finger is hovering over Wayland's mic three. It's white right now. I can make it blue, but I, you know, there is a speech thing here, and I actually think this is meaningful. You know, I'm the one with the show. I'm the one who does all the work. I come here at at noon. I have my yellow sketch pad. And I'm like basically making the bed so Waylon can lay in it and spout off, but I'm actually the one with the board in front of me. So, do I restrict his speech? You know, at any time in the show, I can just hit white and then his mic is off, or I can hit blue if I like what he has to say, or I can just kind of turn him down really low, turn myself up high. So, there is something. I have the means of production, right? What Marx would say is, I have the means of production. What's your thoughts on that, Waylon? Well,. Let's just take
1: a, uh, a second to appreciate the fact that you have this God button on the day of free speech here. Yes. And so I'm just anticipating any, any single second right now, you are going to just press that button. And it even if I'm tr- saying good or bad uh, or ugly, it is that thing is
0: just a, just a click away. Well, I know, but I, I don't like to really play to expectations too much either. But you know, that is <laughs> oh, true, yeah. that I could do that, and that we have some, some track record to that. Well,
1: now the roles reverse. reversed. Now, I'm the, the tour guide up top, yes. and you're
0: sitting there. I'm the bus driver and any at the bottom yank, yeah. who can yank Red you Sox at any comment, time. And you're, Red Sox, yank, that's a comment from last week. Well, um, let's talk about free speech a little bit. Yeah. Oh, by the way, before we get to pre speech, so your van, your orange van is called Vanessa.
1: An is that,
0: was that a name you gave the van? Because it is Nessa? Yeah, Van. Uh,
1: okay. Nessa. But the nice thing about it actually was one day I was on online and it this thing came up where it was like you could get free lettering for the back of your Toyota. But so what? you know, like the letters, yeah, that like you have. the metal chrome yeah, letters. Yeah. So it's metal chrome get,
0: where, where would you get free ones from? So this was a weird thing. Okay,
1: it was a promotion that was that was being done for. Uh, Toyota, Mexico. Huh. And the entire site was in Spanish. So I had to use my, you know, limited Spanish to decipher the site. And it was like, yep, yeah, if you put this in and you can verify with the VIN number really? that... And so, I, well, I thought it was a scam. Somebody was going to, like, take my VIN
0: number yeah, and do something. credit card. But,
1: you know, whatever. It's free. I'm going to fill it out. Didn't hear anything of it. Like, eight weeks later in the mail, I get this in. <laughs> and so it so says weird. Vanessa on the back. So I got a ticket over in... Um, actually talking about tickets, yeah. I got a ticket in um, Niagara Falls and on the ticket, it's, it, it was a cop written ticket, you know, it was like for 50 bucks or a, like 100 bucks, sucked but um, it said uh, uh, mod, or make Toyota model Vanessa huh. that's funny <laughs> yeah.
0: well they wouldn't know the model really, it's yeah. such an old van it's, I'm it's surprised they gave it to you for an old van I did notice that, yeah. I saw your van just so you know, like this is a thing, his van's a thing and I saw it and I pulled over and I tried to see where you were and I did see it actually in Chrome said Vanessa on the back. So I was yeah. curious. That's actually what I was an yeah. answer. No, everybody everybody asks. That's a pretty cool little the, promo The model
1: is literally Van. So when I call that's in van. I'll call it into autozone and be like, I need a starter for a nineteen eighty eight to go to Van. And they're right. like, What is it? A Prius, Previa or um
0: Previa? I'm like, No, it's Van. Huh. oh. It's like really basic. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. All right, so now we're talking about free speech today. And I have to say, I think of any other issue, this is my core value issue. Me too. Yeah, it's Me like too. it really it drills down so deep in my psyche, the idea of free speech. But having said that, I just want to say that I think that's all the more important to really be stay open. You know, <laughs> like because, because it's like it's an orthodoxy of mine that speech should always be unfettered, basically. Um, I think that I, I, in some ways I feel very secure in that belief but I may be secure enough to be challenged so if you're listening and you want to kind of challenge anything we say I, I, I wanted to say that it was a core belief and Waylon is saying that it's his core belief too so it's not that there isn't bias in this conversation yes. so I want to say that other conversations we've had I think there's less bias um, that we've had but this one's like something I really cherish and believe in at the same time I'll give you an example. So uh, last year, we had a kind of philosophy group. Some of the students kind of initiated. And one of the things we talked about was free speech. And we were talking about things that had happened on campus where people were drowned out. Right. Yeah. And they couldn't yeah. speak. And one of the students said, well, that's, that yelling is free speech, too. And that really was like, I I guess you've heard that, but I I had thought, like, okay, well, I can actually see that, right? If you're up and yelling so so loud that the other person can't talk, it's not that their free speech is deprived necessarily, or is it? It's just that polite speech is not happening. So, you know, I don't like seeing that. I don't like seeing footage of people not being able to get their point of view across, but that did make sense to me on some level. So I actually went to
1: see... Um, Sean Spicer talk at UMass um, it was last semester took uh, one of my former students and I went and um, actually Elena um, she was on before uh, and so we sat down and Sean Spicer gave his whole um, you know he t- had this whole kind of bio- biographical approach to what was going on it's kind of analytical about the situation with Trump and everything um, but during several times during this there was uh, a group of individuals that were protesting so they would stand up and just start shouting things at the um at uh spicer and i think that it was such a curious and interesting thing of free speech playing out so you have on one level you have individuals that are not happy with this individual coming in and who who had who was trying and, I would say, failed to run a tight ship on what speech is coming out of the White House. Giving his kind of analytical point of view on that, individuals not liking the idea of his speech and protesting, and then the other layer was that they were yelling over him, and the crowd was getting upset because they they had come and it wasn't a crowd of supporters and that's the interesting right. thing it was a crowd that really wanted to kind of understand what was going on in that situation and kind of it wasn't to get an apology or anything of from from spicer he wasn't he wasn't apologizing anyways it was to get gain some insight into how things got to the place they were right and it was People shouting down the protesters who were trying to shout down his speech, and wow. it was just really all of these things overlapping at once. Um, and it was it was just really really interesting seeing everything unfold because that's the beauty of the America, really. Um, and just to kind of jump into that philosophical idea and why free speech is um, so important. Free speech is so important because there's so many layers to it. There's you know you know governmental regulation. There's um, regulation from The distribution of press in private enterprise, and then there's social free speech, and you know what are the consequences when you do have pure free speech? What are the social consequences of that? And so there's so many different layers coming in and melding
0: together. No, that's a really good point. And when you look at Sean Spicer, you're looking at someone. By the time he hit the campus at UMass, he had been reformed a little bit, right? He Mm -hmm. had stepped away from the Trump administration. He had started to be revised as someone who was trying to keep the lid on Trump, right? He's not necessarily an antagonist by the time he hits UMass. To some people he is, but to many, maybe in the middle, he's not. Whereas a lot of campuses have struggled when they have, I forget the guy from Vice, Gavin Newsom or something like that. Do you know that fella? Yeah. And there are other people who are much more, like, pretty radical. And groups have invited those people on campus I mean, one could say, like, kind of neo-fascistic. There's neo-fascistic qualities to some of these speakers, and certain groups have invited these people on campus to. I don't know if they there is interested in what they have to say, as in testing free speech. So that's you know, th- what was the result of the Sean Spicer thing? There were some be- it's, there were some individuals calling
1: for them to be removed. The police were there. You know, they they were sta- standing around. Um, there were some individuals that were calling for them to be removed, but it was more of a, um, kind of like this, eventually they, they were chanting songs and they kind of like ran out of steam. And mind you, there's only three individuals, I think, or four, maybe maybe four tops that are part of this protest because the... I think the, the clubs and organizations, I, I, I don't know this 100%, but the clubs and organizations came together. They said they weren't going to uh, protest this, and then this um, these individuals were protesting it. And, um, and again, this was not outside of the venue. This wasn't out um, in front or anything like this. This was They were right kind of front and center of everything, and they just get up in the middle of talking and yeah. just start kind of just go into town. And I've seen
0: that. And I've seen, I've seen stuff that feels more violent, too. What happened at Middlebury? I don't know if you've seen that. No. Oh, that was a big one where, like, a professor was pushed down to the ground. You know, it was, oh, wow. it was pretty heavy. Middlebury has been a focus of this issue, actually, um, yeah. which is interesting because it's not something you necessarily uh, imagine. Uh, about Middlebury. It always seems like such a kind of bucolic and peaceful place, but it has there's been a couple issues up there. Um, I wanted to actually read something, and I do want to remind people that we're really open on this free speech episode uh, for your thoughts. 413-200-8186. Now, that's the text in line, so you'd be texting us, okay? 413-200-8186. And I don't know if we can kind of frame it in a way that... Um, people are able to easily kind of connect with us. What what could we kind of throw out there for them?
1: So the thing I'm curious, to be honest, is uh, to what extent, so you have some really kind of cut and dry things that the Supreme Court has ruled on. You can't scream, you know, fire in a crowded theater. But the thing that I think that we're grappling with now is where is the onus on, who is the onus on for... Uh, regulating speech for kind of hate groups like the KKK, or um, or like some of the, the you know radical right wing groups mm. that are coming, is it on uh, the social media uh, CEOs? Right. Is it Zuckerberg that we should be going after? Is it some sort of federal legislation? Is it where where does that where do those um, regulations pan out if they are so to be made? Right. Uh, we, you were, And we're excluding the government from this? Oh, no. I think that the government, government's well, on the table. So, I mean, the, uh, that's one of the options. I'm not yeah, saying that these are... something you're for, you know, necessarily. Not, yeah.
0: But All right, you know, it, where, where, where do you start there? Where do you start? Or do you start? Or do you start? You know, does speech ever get regulated? Should speech ever be regulated? And why? Yeah. Or no? And why? Right? If you say yes, that speech should be regulated. I mean, I do get a lot of what these protesters are trying to do in some ways, which is you can't normalize, or well, not you can't, you don't want to normalize groups that are abhorrent. Are, are I don't know if the result is what they want, because I guess my feeling is, this, you know, any light on anything kind of will drive out disease, whereas darkness and dampness is where these things grow. You know, and Germany has had hate speech laws for a long time because of their own track record. And now are really dealing with what feels like, it's almost kind of like, you know, it's like a kettle with a, a, a top on it, right? Or a pot, a boiling pot with a top on it. Like you can kind of keep that top on, but you run the risk of being really surprised when it blows, right? Because yeah. you've suppressed it, you've suppressed it, you've suppressed it. It's still going down there. It's still percolating. It's getting no room to breathe, so it's going to find a way to get out there. So Germany is dealing with a lot of, like, neo-fascist groups now. And I think a lot of—okay, my guess is that some of it is that people— the suppression what feels like the suppression of speech is actually only fueling the anger of these groups. Whereas uh, if—my hope with speech is that if you let it just run wild— that eventually it's gonna run its wear itself out. Like if you're a Nazi, okay, let's talk about you being a Nazi. Why are you a Nazi? You know, if you if we can avoid absolute hate speech here, let's talk about what's your plath- what wh- why? And in my own classroom I'd like to encourage people to let's talk about it because I just think that it diffuses things more than not. It actually and that's an interesting point, that free speech really profits the middle more than the far ends of either group, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you talk about things, usually you come to the middle. Does that yeah. make sense?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, just re- like above all, just in in the principles of my life, I one of the things that I up- uphold most is kind of honesty and integrity. And I think that when you when you limit free speech of any kind, you know, it's not removing those thoughts from anyone's head. Yep. it's just making it where they cannot have a platform of transparency which gets you into a lot of trouble because then you have these underground situations where it's uh where it's not in this public forum and you can't nip it in the bud and on top of that you have these sentiments rising and kind of uh, uh like you said boiling up and aggregating behind the scenes yeah. until you uh, until you have something where you can't handle it right and so it actually works to your advantage to know that there are a very, That's you know, right. a very small minority of individuals that have these radical ideas, because then you can identify that um, you can have these discussions with rational people and with um, moderate people, and uh, and then you can, as a society, deal with that. There was a there was a protest not too long ago. I, I forget exactly where it was. I've just read it. Um, there was, you know, maybe a dozen um, white supremacists. Protesting and hundreds of people showed up and drowned them out, mm-hmm. and that's that's really that's really what America is about. You have every right to say the horrible and nasty and mean things that you say, as long as there's no threats or you know. There's very the law is very clear there, and it's you know protects an individual. You have every right to say that, and those other individuals have every right to rally against what you're saying for a better cause.
0: Right. So you actually. You don't necessarily have a problem with someone drowning out a speaker on campus then because what you just talked about would be the equivalent of going to a lecture hall and drowning someone out. So, okay, well, yes, I do
1: have a, a – drowning out a speaker is different because there's – there's because what you're doing is you're violating the, the – um, the rules and policies of the of the building you're you're violating the policies of how that event is supposed to go mm. what i'm saying is you drowned you drowned an individual if trump came to umass he can ta- he can talk at umass you um you could stand outside and you can um and you can protest and you can do that uh, if the individuals got the proper permits and they were having their You know, if they were having their, if they were exercising exercising their freedom of assembly, and and they're working within their own realms in a in a legal and you know in a civil fashion, I don't think it's um, I I don't agree with going in and, you know, just kind of laying waste to their events i don't know
0: yeah, i, I don 't necessarily agree with it but it, I don't, se- I and, it seems not, to me yeah.
1: that you're talking about polite speech opposed to free speech like not seems- even polite yeah. though polite is different i mean i 'm just saying oper- operating within um, because on the opposite side you know that it, it happened it goes so, both ways so bad, and we 're not even talking about um, yeah, it's hard. I'm not even talking about polite speech. I'm just talking about respecting. It's the same thing with the best example I have is public, uh, public comment on city council or school committee meetings. Okay.
0: In, this has been a running theme. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big nerd. I go to all the meetings yeah. and I talk, but I get three minutes to talk. You could say the exact opposite thing from me, but you get three minutes to talk. Yeah. And that's the rule. And that's what we as a society have, have have said, is this is our standard policy. Everybody can – I could stand up there and say, you know, uh, Overlord Cody um, is, you know, the worst person I've ever met. I'm disgusted.
0: Okay, so <laughs> something happened to Waylon. He seems to have, like – he was here one second, and then he <clears throat> just, like, vanished in front of my eyes. Oh poof! And back. he is uh, an alien. Okay, so I actually don't mind being called an alien. So you can go <laughs> ahead.
1: But those, you, you, but you maintain that level of uh, of openness for each side, but yeah. and level of freedom Polite for speech. each side.
0: I'm just saying, like the policies of a building is pretty ephemeral. Okay, those are not laws. They're not embedded in the Constitution of yeah. the United States. So I'm just pointing out that there's like room to play here. And it's, it's not something, yeah, it's not something I like. I want open discourse. For the most part, I, I want to hear from anybody. And I do agree with you, as we were talking about, that when you suppress reality, then you can be really painfully surprised. So the election of 2016 is is, I think, probably the most surprising election in U.S. history. But if people were like looking, they would have seen. And of course, in retrospect, it seems so obvious. Now, Trump didn't win the popular vote, but he won the electoral college. And even that it was that kind of close was really just shocking to so many people. But I think that's the danger of this kind of bubble, like living in a bubble. And I I think living in a bubble, the problem with it is that seeking safety actually does not make you feel safe. It's a retreat of a kind that you keep retreating and you keep lowering your tolerance for dangerous things. And it actually builds on itself so that everything becomes really quite overwhelming. And so it seems to me that when, you're, when you have discomfort, the goal is not to seek comfort at that point, but to move past discomfort and to kind of with re- re- resilience and harden yourself to go past it. And I just want to say one other quick thing I also think there's a ripple effect. So, even if I'm just suppressing a small group of hate speakers, you know, and that's a boiling pot, and now I've got to put the lid on it, and so we can pretend that's not really going on, other people are seeing that too around those people, and they don't like that. People just generally don't like to be suppressed. They don't like their speech to be suppressed, uh, and I think with good reason. So, you have a ripple effect out from like these extremists. And then the people around the extremists are thinking, well, why are they being suppressed? Why is their speech being suppressed? Like, that doesn't seem really right to me. Um, let me just quickly read you this from the Post. So this is Megan McArdle. I believe she's a professor, and she's writing about Middlebury College, actually. Now, just to be really clear, this is, oh will tell you the name of the editorial, it's Meet Your New Woke Inquisitors, same as the old ones. So she's um, definitely very much, um, I think, one side of the free speech debate, where she finds this, what she calls a new orthodoxy kind of repellent. But she does provide this cool, really uh, historical context for it. Um, She says, let me just get to the part where... She says, quote, everything is open to question, end quote, may seem a natural intellectual principle to those raised between roughly 1970 and 2000, between the sexual revolution and the great awakening, But most cultures from most of human history haven't acted this way, okay? Maybe that's because such openness represents an unstable equilibrium, possibly only in the lim- liminal moment between the ex- eradication of an existing orthodoxy and the establishment of a new one. Cultures may simply need to place some topics beyond debate, minimizing the distraction and disruption of relitigating fundamental moral questions. And if an orthodoxy is necessary, quote, vulnerable minorities should be treated better, end quote, is one of the more appealing choices. So here she's, I feel like, is like reflecting a little bit. Like she doesn't like this, but she's willing to say, you know, maybe like free speech isn't the like cultural norm. And if you look at the history of mankind, particularly, particularly like... Culture, right? Like civilization, as we call it, not like nomadic culture. It's mostly limited speech. It's mostly heavily restricted speech. Oh, yeah. I mean, alien
1: sedition acts, and you you go way back. Well, that's just in the United States, during, you know, during wartime. Civil war. You know, suspension of habeas corpus.
0: And that's in the United States. I mean, we're not talking about Mao's China and like, you know, Hirohito and, you know, even censorship in England, which can be, depending on what's going on, pretty Hobbesian. Yeah. So it's just an interesting perspective. And it's funny because I was born in 1971. So I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, but that's just what I was brought up with, free speech. Like, I'm of that generation. And it's really near and dear to me. But um, it may be just a passing thing. You know, it just was in my, like, first 30 or 40 years. And now it's not. And now we're on the other side of that. And, I, you know, maybe I, I don't want to just totally give up the game, you know, and just be in grief mode for the lack of free speech because I'm not ready to do that either.